Hello and welcome to Adrian Goldberg's talk show, the most eclectic podcast in the world. Politics, entertainment, sport, investigations, whatever takes my fancy really. This time, the filmmaker who would not be silenced by Donald Trump. His name is Anthony Baxter and is based on the east coast of Scotland in Montrose. Ant's movie, You've Been Trumped Too, was a victim of the Donald's bullying tactics when it was first slated for release ahead of the 2016 presidential election. Ant, who in the interests of full disclosure, I should say I worked with on the radio nearly 20 years ago, was undeterred. You've Been Trumped Too has now been released again in time for the 2020 poll. He's been telling me how the project first came about. I made a film called You've Been Trumped back in 2011, which is based on the story of Donald Trump coming to Aberdeenshire. He wanted to build a golf course resort, which he said would be the best in the world, invest a billion pounds and build lots of houses and a luxury hotel and employ thousands of people. I felt that the um, promises wouldn't add up, and I took my camera a few miles up the road from where I'm talking to you from today, Adrian. It, it's Montrose, where I am, and this is Aberdeenshire. And uh, there I followed uh, the local residents who were basically saying they didn't believe the promises, and also they didn't like the idea of this unique environmentally sensitive stretch of land being bulldozed and destroyed for a luxury golf course development. And so the local residents who uh, Mr. Trump had uh, singled out in particular, a farmer, Michael Forbes, who he said was a pig and lived like a, a pig in a, in a slum, and said that he wouldn't be able to build his hotel if he didn't clean up his property. And that was the film that I made in 2011, You've Been Trumped. I then followed it up with another film called A Dangerous Game in 2014, which broadened the subject out to luxury golf course resorts all over the world. And then when I was in the United States in 2016, uh, making a film called Flint about the water disaster there. It was when Donald Trump was running for the presidency. And he was promising the earth, of course, to make America great again. And I thought, well, that's, I, I think Americans would like to know how he has performed in Britain with his promises here in Scotland. And in particular, the mother of the farmer I told you about, Michael Forbes, his mother, Molly Forbes, um, both of them, who they live in the, the, on the same farm, had had their water supply cut off by Mr. Trump's workers in 2010. It was a story that I filmed as part of You've Been Trumped. And I was arrested and thrown in jail for a day after discovering that their water supply had been cut off. And so I felt, when I spoke to Molly in 2016, she told me that her water supply was still cut off she still didn't have a reliable water supply. It was a story that Americans would be interested in, thrown against the backdrop of Mr. Trump running for the presidency. And so I set about making a film, You've Been Trump 2, which we then finished just ahead of the, United, the election in the US. And we had a distributor in the US who said they would uh, put it out. But we were unable to get, after Mr. Trump threatened to sue any cinema that showed the film, we were unable to get insurance that allowed us to show the film in theatres. And so the distributor backed out and said, we don't want to show this film anymore. And we weren't able to get the film widely seen. So 
we did what we could. We we staged an online streaming event of the film for a, a one-off, but we were never able to get it distributed. And then over the next four years, I was working on other projects and finishing the Flint film. We managed to find a distributor and also get the insurance eventually to get the film released. And so here we are in 2020, and Journeyman Pictures in the south of England has taken the film on and released it on iTunes and other platforms. And finally, people have been able to see it. I guess from your point of view, though, perhaps you wouldn't have such grand ambitions as to try and change the course of the American presidential election. But you were trying to influence voters back in 2016 with radical, polemical journalism. So how frustrating was it for you to find your voice silenced in the run-up to that election in which Trump, of course, became president? Well, I think it was more frustrating to see the voices of the residents in Aberdeenshire stifled because here we had an elderly lady who was 86 years old back in 2011 and a woman that Mr Trump said reminded him of his own mother who hailed from the Western Isles of Scotland from the Isle of Lewis and she had been treated abominably Molly Forbes, and and her son had as well. I mean, Mr. Trump had spent years laying into them, saying that they uh, live like animals. And he even tried to pursue uh, Molly Forbes through the courts when she uh, threatened legal action against the golf course development, because these were ordinary people who were standing up for their environment. They didn't want to see it destroyed. This site of special scientific interest, as it was, these dunes uh, which run along the uh, Aberdeenshire coast were unique in in the world. And Mr. Trump had managed to convince the Scottish government that they needed to overturn their own environmental policies in order to give them the green light to build because of all that he was going to bring, all these jobs, all this uh, development, all this fantastic, great economic prosperity for the area. And they saw through that. I mean, Molly Forbes um, was was one of the, partly because of her wisdom, maybe, but she certainly was one of the very early people to call Mr. Trump out as a liar, as was, was, was Michael Forbes, her son. And they didn't believe the promises. And so they had, a, they had experience of, of Donald Trump and his promises. And here we, he was standing before the American people, promising the earth to a lot of people who had known him obviously from The Apprentice and knew him as a, a celebrity TV host, but they didn't know him as somebody who could hoodwink politicians and bring about the backing for him as he had in Scotland without delivering his promises. Because we know, as we've seen from these recent tax return documents as well for Mr Trump, but we've, we've known for years here in Scotland that his promises have failed to stack up the golf course in Aberdeenshire, employs just a few dozen people. It's lost millions of pounds since it opened. The hotel was never built. The um, luxury housing that he promised that hasn't happened, which people didn't want anyway, by the way. But he he promised the earth, delivered for nothing at all. So it was, it was incredibly frustrating that that point wasn't being a we weren't able to get the point of these local residents who I felt would really chime with American voters and a lot of people yeah Michael Forbes is a hard-working farmer he's he's lived in that area for for years and years his family goes back generations and 
his his plight, if you will, would strike a chord with American people who were going to go to the polls. And so it was very frustrating that that story wasn't able to be told. And you also had stories in the UK press, in publications like the Daily Mail and The Sun, which highlighted Molly's story based on what you had filmed, which then, before the US presidential election in 2016, were mysteriously taken offline. Yes, I mean, you know, they, they, I remember when I was in New York for the, the premiere of the film, and the Daily Mail and the Sun all ran stories about Molly's plight, and they ran a picture of her with her wheelbarrow. She had to collect water from a stream on the farm because she couldn't get clean, reliable water uh, because Trump's workers had fractured this pipe leading to the Forbes' farm. Now, that, that happened in 2010. Donald Trump's head of the development said... I'm going to make your water system the best in the world. It'll be like you've never seen it before when it's when it's when it's completed. From that day on, they never had a reliable water supply. And the Trump organization can say what they like about that, but that is the fact because I witnessed it. They had grit and, and all kinds of stuff in the water. And the Trump's organization, the Trump organization said they would fix it. They didn't fix it. And so here we were in 2016, and she was still without this uh, water supply. And the papers ran the story that this was the case. The Trump organization immediately uh, complained to the editors. They put out a, um, a statement threatening anybody who repeated the allegations in the film or showed the film would face legal action from Donald Trump's organization. So, in, so obviously, Mr. Trump himself. And the papers powered under the first threat, essentially, and pulled the stories and I remember seeing these 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 stories were being sent around the, the Mail Online, as we know, is one of the biggest websites in the world, had a huge impact when that story went live, but then suddenly it disappeared. So I then received uh, an email a month later from the Sun's ombudsman investigating it, asking to see the film, and I gave a copy of the film to them. But I never heard back from them again, and and the stories there was never an attempt by the journalists, as far as I know, to contact the Forbeses to to uh, get a response to to Mr. Trump's um, legal threat, and so these stories just disappeared. But thankfully, this time round, I'm pleased to say, you know, those papers that pulled the stories the first time, such as the Mail, have actually run stories on the film this time. It is interesting, though, that. Here we have a president who talks about making America great again. Those of us who look at the United States from the outside would say that freedom of expression is one of the greatest virtues of the United States. But he nevertheless has taken action to stop your freedom of expression. You're a, a small filmmaker on the east coast of Scotland, but you've persisted. And I think there's something quite heroic about the fact that here you are, Four years on, you've got, you've been trumped to out there and people can watch it and make up their own minds. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the, that's the key, Adrian, really, for people to make up their own minds. And, and that's why it's important for people to see this kind of a film. It, it's really, I think, very important that somebody who claims to promise the earth is held to account for the promises they've made in the past. And those stories aren't just 
forgotten and brushed under the carpet and said, oh, well, that was back then. It doesn't matter anymore. It does matter because particularly in this case where the people concerned have had years of their lives being um, made a misery by Donald Trump. I mean, on the on this uh, golf course resort, he as part of building it, he built these huge mounds of earth, Mexico-style walls, if you will, around their houses to block their view and to stop his golfers from seeing their properties because he didn't like the look of them. That was a precursor, really, for what he then set about doing in 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 the White House, of course, with putting into plan his 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 proposal to build a, a wall between the U.S. and Mexico. And the way that he has treated people, the local residents, is appalling. And and I think that the people who have seen the film, you know, that resonates with them. And and we saw that when the film was You Being Trump was originally shown on the BBC nationally in 2012. Up until that point, people had believed, here in Scotland at least, believed a lot of Mr Trump's promises. They believed that he would deliver on the golf course resort and bring these jobs and prosperity to the area. But when they saw the film and saw how the residents had been treated, his uh, uh, popularity in Scotland plunged. And and I think that it was a part, uh, you know, they were still able to hear Mr. Trump's promises on TV news, of course, and as, as they had done all along, but at least now they were able to see the other side of the story. And we did also have people in the film, by the way, who supported his development. But the, the important thing was to show, from, from my point of view anyway, to allow voices to be heard that wouldn't otherwise have access to the airwaves that Mr. Trump has. Of course, we know he can just reach to Twitter or go to a, a broadcast whenever he wants and, and hit as many people as he likes in terms of millions um, around the world, whereas local residents in Scotland don't have that kind of access to the lawyers and legal might of Mr. Trump, and it's important that they have their voices heard as well. And it's not just access to the airwaves, access to millions and followers on Twitter. In the making of that first film, You've Been Trumped, there was something quite sinister about your arrest as a working journalist and filmmaker. Just talk me through that. Yes, I mean, you know, we were filming an interview with one of Mr. Trump's workers who was as I was promising to make the, the Forbes' water system better than it ever was before. We left that interview. We went to another local resident's property, Susan Monroe, and was, I was filming with her on her property when the police swung by and forcibly arrested me and my colleague Richard by grabbing the camera off us and throwing us against a car, handcuffing us, throwing us into the car and then taking us to Aberdeen Police Headquarters and putting us in separate jail cells for for several hours, and then charging us with uh, a breach of the peace, which is a criminal offence in Scotland that you can go to, to jail for. And we know now, because I asked Donald Trump Jr. himself, who called the police, and he said that they did. So it's no secret that the Trump family had access to the police in Scotland and the, the Grampian force, which no longer exists, it's now Police Scotland, but they had access to the Grampian police in a way that nobody else would. I mean, they, the Grampian police acted as a private security force for Donald Trump when he was in town. And, you know, this was a, a really sinister and, and deeply troubling event that the National Union of Journalists uh, took up. And the charges were eventually thrown out and the police issued a, an apology. 
but I do regret not having sued the police. But it was, in a way, it was just impossible to do everything at the time because we were desperately trying to get the film out and get it completed. But it was, uh, it is a, a deeply troubling incident, which I don't think really we've seen the end of, sadly, because there was another incident, listeners may remember, where a lady from Aberdeenshire was walking on the golf course of, of Donald Trump, this is a few years later, needed to go to the loo, went down to the dunes, had a pee on the dunes, and then found the police at her door charging her with, uh, or threatening to charge her with indecent exposure. And this uh, case then you know, ended up in the courts as well. So I thought that, oh, well, at least the police will have learned their lesson after the first debacle, but obviously they haven't done. And so I think it's a, it's a, it's a really kind of worrying case, that one. And, and you, know, you, you just never know what's going to happen next. No, I suppose it just shows that if you are wealthy enough and powerful enough that the forces in our lives, which are meant to be impartial and there for everybody, aren't always, sadly. Uh, you also met Donald Trump, though, didn't you? After making the first You've Been Trumped, you were granted an audience with the great man. Yeah, I don't argue with the phrase great man, but yes, I was. Just a hint of irony there, aren't I? <laughs> Sorry, Adrian. Yes, I mean, he um, heard that I was making a um, second film. And after the BBC showed You've Been Trumped, and I mentioned there was a a public backlash against the organisation and and him, he decided to have a different approach to me in the making of that film. And his lawyer called me up out of the blue one day and said... Anthony, we should maybe have spoken before, but uh, Donald Trump Jr. is going to be in in town tomorrow and we'd like to um, speak to you. He he wants to to set the record straight. And so I said, oh, well, can I bring a camera along? And they said, yeah, sure. Um, But this isn't uh, a chance for you to to make your next film. Um, They were wrong about that because it was the start of that. And so I went and spoke to Donald Trump Jr., and during that interview, I said, look, you know, I would like to speak to your father. And um, he said, well, first of all, come out to see the, the golf course in New Jersey and, you know, we can spend some time there and then I'll, I'll see. And so I did that. And then I spoke to them again and they arranged an interview with Mr. Trump in Trump Tower. And right up until the uh, recording of the filming of the interview, Donald Trump was insisting that he had full editorial control of the interview, which, of course, nobody, no journalist, no filmmaker would ever agree to. And so I thought, because we kept refusing that, that it would never be granted. And right up until the last minute, they were insisting on that. And then it was granted. We, you know, we, we said, no, we're not going to um, give you that. And he said, well, we'll, we'll do the interview. And I did a 45-minute interview with him in Trump Tower where he was perfectly charming when he walked into the room as you know as he can be and then of course the mood changes when you ask him questions that he doesn't like to be asked and that's a trait we've seen in the White House and and I'd sort of seen at news conferences before where he will talk about to say to journalists that's a very good question if they work for Fox News, but as soon as it's somebody asking him something difficult, he gets very, very agitated and, and, and uptight about it. And that was the case, really, of his uh, his golf course in, in Scotland, the way that he treated 
the local residents because he stood by the language that he'd used describing Michael Forbes as a pig and his farm as a slum. He stood by all of that and didn't shift at all on any of that and issued no kind of an apology, as you wouldn't expect him to. He, as, as we know, he doubles down when challenged and likes to make false claims about the success of the development. And as we know, the development has not been a success and has not attracted the numbers or brought the prosperity to the area that was promised. So that was the time I met him. And um, he's then taken to Twitter numerous times after that to have a go at me and and the films. But that's, of course, gone a bit quieter now because he's too busy having a, a go at other people. So we've got digital distribution in the UK. Will people in the United States be able to see this film? Will it be shown in cinemas anywhere? Well, it won't be shown in cinemas, but it is on iTunes in the United States, and it was uh, number two on the worldwide iTunes charts. Um, and so people were able to see it, and the word has got out there, but it hasn't been available in, in cinemas simply because of, you know, cinemas pretty much being closed anyway. Yeah, COVID-related rather than letter-from-the-lawyer-related. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> As I mentioned earlier, you are a, a polemical journalist. You're trying to make a point here, albeit that people are free, of course, to make up their own minds. It's intriguing, isn't it, that politicians like Donald Trump, who you can freely call a liar without any risk of being sued for libel, yet throwing words like that around these populist leaders doesn't seem to affect their popularity with the public. Is that a little bit dispiriting or do you think it's simply a case of waiting out time and waiting for the public to come round to your point of view? Well, I mean, the word liar is a strong one, isn't it? At least it feels like it's softened in its strength really over the years. I mean, when Michael Forbes daubed on his shed um, the words, no more Trump lies, it was a an iconic picture really, because people, it would often end up on uh, in magazines in the United States that people would see this farmer, a Scottish farmer, uh, salt-of-the-earth character um, writing this across his, his shed. And his mother, Michael's mother, Molly, 86, she had a similar sign outside her little tidy caravan there saying, no more Trump lies as well. And they were the first people really to call Mr. Trump out on, on his lies. And I remember once Panorama doing a follow-up to You've Been Trumped and uh, John Sweeney, saying to me, are you calling Donald Trump Jr. a liar? And I said, well, yes, I am. And I felt, you know, under pressure to, to, to say it. And, I, and I, know, I, I don't like using the word because it's a strong word, but it, it's been so diluted because everybody knows that Mr. Trump is a liar. And Michael Forbes, the farmer, made a good point to me once. He said, you know, what I do is I take whatever Mr. Trump says and reverse it is the truth. But it's a it's a very, very disturbing thing where you have to do that with pretty much every sentence that a that a, a leader makes. It's a dire state of affairs. And if people want to watch the film, you've been Trump too. You've had this four-year battle 
to get it seen by viewers uh, around the world. And I think if for no other reason than that, people should make an effort to hunt it down. You've mentioned it's on iTunes. Where else can people see it? Well, it was supposed to be on Amazon Prime, but it mysteriously hasn't appeared on there. We can't kind of work out why, but it it is iTunes is the easiest the easiest one to um, to remember, I think, and um, uh, Google Play as well. Anthony Baxter, and you've been listening to Adrian Goldberg's talk show. If you've enjoyed it, please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe. Thanks very much indeed for listening.